Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, November 15th. Civil War buffs know the significance of this date. It was on November 15, 1864, that Union forces led by Major General William T. Sherman began their march to the sea. They started a path of destruction in Atlanta and ended with the capture of Savannah on December 21st. On this date in 1937, U.S. lawmakers breathed a sigh of relief as they met at the U.S. Capitol in air-conditioned chambers for the very first time. And on this date in 1939, President Franklin Roosevelt laid the cornerstone of the Jefferson Memorial. Let's see if your forecast will be as memorable. We'll head over to the First Alert Weather Center for that. All right, take the umbrellas as you head out the door. Good Tuesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovine. A few scattered showers possible, especially first half of the day. Second half of the day looks dry until we get in this evening and overnight. Cold front approaches that is going to bring the potential of a few more showers before a cold front takes all the rain chances offshore. That's going to happen by tomorrow morning as we wake up. So best rain chance during the daytime hours will be this morning, this afternoon, mostly cloudy. High temperatures today around 70, so not as cool as yesterday both to start and to finish, but we're cooling back down starting tomorrow at 64 and then lots of sunshine Thursday through the weekend. Highs only in the 50s with morning lows down in the 30s. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. Now let's check your morning headlines. The University of Virginia is dealing with a horrible tragedy after a former student opened fire as the football team returned to campus after a field trip to Washington, D.C. Yeah, that shooting killed three members of the college football team. A vigil was held last night to honor their lives. Katie Lusso has more. The silence deafening. Thousands side by side, some with flowers, others holding candles, all with unimaginable pain. Among them, Zoe. I know a lot of people went to sleep very, very scared and woke up also more alarmed. And I, for one, was more alarmed because a really dear friend of mine was one of the victims. And that was really hard for me. She says Deshaun Perry, one of the three students who were killed, was a dear friend. Um, he was much more than a football player. <laughs> he was an amazing studio artist. He loved anime, <laughs> he loved to cook, and was one of the most loyal people that you'd ever met. While extremely heartbroken, Zoe says she's also so grateful she had the time she did with Deshaun. I wish that more people knew more about him. He was very reserved, but I think it was because he saved all of his love for those who were close to him. And Zoe said one other thing that really stayed with me. She said this is a reminder to tell those you love just how much they mean to you because you never know when it might be your last chance. 
such a sad story. Well, in addition to Deshaun Perry, that vigil also honored Devin Chandler and Lavelle Davis Jr. Uh, these are the three of them now after they were all fatally shot late Sunday night. Now, two others were injured in that shooting. Police say the suspect, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. He opened fire on campus as a bus returned from a class field trip. Jones now faces three charges of second degree murder, among others. Police say he was taken into custody yesterday around 11 a.m. after an hours long manhunt. No word just yet on a motive for this attack. In North Carolina, coaches and former teammates are paying tribute to another victim, Devin Chandler. He played for Huff High School. That's near Charlotte. His team remembers him as a strong leader and brother. He graduated in 2020. He drew young people towards him. He was going to be a leader in whatever he chose to do in whatever field he wanted to work in. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, the, the, the world uh, lost a good one. It's kind of crazy. I haven't had anybody that close to me die yet, but I mean, he was a brother and we fought, we fought hard on the same team together and uh, you know, it's tough, it's tough. The Huff High School football team plans to honor Chandler with a decal on players' helmets during their upcoming playoff game. As the University of Virginia mourns, so does a community here in the Lowcountry. One of the victims, Lavelle Davis Jr., was a Dorchester County native. Those close to him say he was a star student athlete with a bright future who got his start at Woodland High School. Coaches, friends, and mentors mourn Davis's death. One saying, quote, God took one of his most kind, humble, loving soldiers off the battlefield. The DD4 school board also released a statement saying in part that Lavelle made all those in his life better just for knowing him. The statement reads, this is a tremendous loss. Lavelle's legacy will never be forgotten. New this morning, police are investigating a fatal crash in Goose Creek. The Goose Creek Police Department says a car and motorcycle were involved in a crash near Stephanie Drive and Highway 52 last night. The motorcyclist was taken to the hospital where they later died. We've reached out to law enforcement for more details on the crash but have not yet heard back. Well, a Berkeley County judge has denied bond for a man accused of killing an 86-year-old woman and setting her home on fire to hide that crime. Yesterday, family members and close friends of 86-year-old Essie Benikin guessed they were there to speak against bond for the suspect. Shelton Brown is charged with murder, first-degree burglary, and first-degree arson, according to deputies. Now, deputies responded early in the morning of August 8th to guests' home where a security alarm had been activated. Deputies found her dead and investigators later determined that fire was intentionally set. The trial of the former CEO of Palmetto State Bank, an alleged conspirator with Alec Murdoch, continues today. Yesterday, six more witnesses took the stand after the trial took a break last week. Yeah, two sisters of who Russell Lafitte served as conservators for were among those, as well as an FBI forensic accountant and three family members of Lafitte's who also served on the bank's board of directors. Lafitte is accused of taking money out of Hannah Plyler's conservator account. An expert with the FBI reviewed bank accounts and checks from both Murdoch and Lafitte and testified that a $90,000 loan was taken out of the Plyler account 
and deposited into Murdoch's account after he had overdrawn his account by $3,000. The expert says 14 transfers were made by Lafitte from Hannah's settlement account to Murdoch while his account was overdrawn. Lafitte's family and fellow bank directors testified that he continued to lie to the bank board and keep information about Murdoch's accounts from them. More witness testimony is expected today. Well, the Charleston Regional Youth Apprenticeship Program has received a $55,000 donation from Bank of America to support our local students. Trident Technical College and the Area Urban League have partnered to expand youth apprenticeships, especially among minority and historically underserved students. Lauren Quinlan joining us live now from the Technical College. Lauren, is the program available for any student looking to apply? Aisha, Katie, as long as they are a student in Berkeley, Charleston, or Dorchester County in high school or a recent high school graduate, they can apply for the program. Trident Technical College places high school students in the area with select businesses and local economic developers for part-time employment. Mitchell Harp with Trident says the goal is for them to get real-world experience from experts in a handful of in-demand occupations. Students can also earn up to 30 college credits that transfer to an associate's degree. Now, since 2014, more than 500 young people have completed the two-year program, working at companies like Mercedes-Benz, the Medical University of South Carolina, and Boeing. It's exciting because we've been able to see kids who have um, it's changed their life. Um, apprenticeships offer that opportunity to get in there and, uh, and, and make a great living. Uh, we have about five or six kids who have bought their first house before they turned 20 years old. Before they could buy beer, they... Um, they own their own house, which is pretty cool. Harp says the money donated from Bank of America will be used for scholarships. Select fields like their nursing and automotive program require some tools or books to be purchased, and they want this to be open to the kids who can or can't afford it. Reporting for Live 5 News, I'm Lauren Quinlan. Thanks so much, Lauren. If you're a junior or senior in high school interested in this program, mark your calendars. Coming this February, Trident will be hosting a kickoff event for the next round of the program. You can click on this story on live5news.com to learn more about the event. Two of South Carolina's most prominent politicians will receive six-figure pay raises next year. It's part of a plan to have significant pay bumps for several statewide elected officials that lawmakers say are long overdue. Since 1994, the salaries of these six elected leaders have been locked in at $92,000. They're going up in January by a minimum of $43,000 and more than doubling for the state superintendent of education and the attorney general. Patrick Kelly of the Palmetto State Teachers Association says if the state is raising these salaries to be competitive with the private sector, the same logic applies to raising teacher salaries. Kelly says these raises should also open up discussion on how districts are spending their money. I think that it is a fundamental problem in our schools if you have superintendent and executive staff salaries at the district level that are five, six, seven times what a starting teacher is making when the research shows that the quality of that teacher is the biggest investment we can make in student achievement. The commission that approved these raises is now required by law to review and recommend pay for the state constitutional officers every four years. That does not include the governor and lieutenant governor. 
Well, proposed upgrades to an intersection on James Island are concerning some neighbors. The county's recommended plan requires removing two grand oak trees at the intersection of Camp Road and Fort Johnson Road, something many James Islanders believe is unnecessary, but the mayor of James Island disagrees. Our Molly McBride spoke with both sides. She joins us live now from James Island with details about that proposed improvement. Molly? Charleston County recommended several proposed plans to make the intersection safer, but the recommended plan requests the removal of two grand oak trees. Today, the James Island Board of Zoning Appeals will meet and review that request. The intersection is between Camp Road and Fort Johnson Road. And that's one of the four areas on James Island that Charleston County has determined needs safety improvements. The first two Grand Oaks that lined Camp Road are the trees in question. According to a local advocacy group, these trees are 150-year-old Grand Oaks. The town of James Island says removing the trees is needed in order to move forward with the intersection improvements. But I spoke to one councilman who was wondering if there's any way these trees can be saved. One proposed plan for the intersection adds a turning lane, taking out many of the trees. But the option the county recommends is a compact roundabout, only removing two trees. James Island Councilman Garrett Milliken says that's still too many. He says the trees are perfectly healthy Grand Oaks, and taking the first two trees could set the precedent for taking more in the future. But he acknowledges the intersection improvement project must go forward. I believe that both goals can be realized. I do believe that nothing is carved in stone here with respect to the plans. And I feel that if the engineers can find a solution to saving these trees, that solution can carry over to other projects. However, the mayor of James Island, Bill Woolsey, disagrees. He says this project won't set a precedent of tree removal and they will continue to review the intersection with the county, making sure there's no way to avoid taking the trees. But he says for now, he thinks this plan is best for the town. This relatively small traffic circle is really by far the best option. And if we have to uh, sacrifice these two trees out of the over 40 that are on this segment of the road, I just think that is the responsible thing to do. I reached out to the county for a statement. They tell me the county recommends this option because it saves more trees than the other options they provided and improves the safety of the intersection. If you're interested in sharing your opinion with the town of James Island regarding the intersection and the safety improvements, you can email kcrane at jamesislandsc.us. That email should be up on your screen there. Today's meeting is at 5 p.m. If you want to review the agenda or look at the other proposed plans for the intersection, head over to live5news.com and click on this web story. All those links will be provided. Reporting live on James Island, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Thanks so much, Molly. Well, what would have been 465 new homes on Jedburgh Road will now stay rural, undeveloped land. Berkeley County unanimously voted not to lift the building moratorium, and those in the area say they're relieved. Anna Harris has been following this story for months as the fight against the development has been put to a halt. Dozens of people that live on Jedburgh Road clapped. 
after Berkeley County Committee on Land Use announced their vote. It is evident that the once frustrated neighbors no longer feel like they have to fight against development. Since the beginning of summer, people who live along Jedburgh Road have been against Pulte Homes' original plan of building 465 homes on 227 acres with a possible new school. Even after Pulte gave a new plan of reducing the number of homes, residents were still concerned about how it could cause an increase in traffic, flooding, and overall security. After the vote, many residents, like Bill Shelton, said they feel delighted. Shelton shared a 21-page document with me that was also presented to council. This document included a Q&A showing 54 people who lived here unanimously voted they wanted to keep the moratorium, summaries of all the community meetings, and dozens of signatures. The Committee on Land Use says they felt like Pulte Homes' plan did not reflect the community's needs. The committee says any developer, including Pulte Homes, can apply with a new design that is different from the one proposed to try and lift this moratorium again. He says this can happen at any time moving forward. I think they saw the passion in the county. I think they saw the links we were willing to go to to make our voices heard, and I think they re realized that we were organized and we were going to be a force to be dealt with. And if we didn't get our voices heard, we were going to keep fighting. Throughout this process, Pulte Homes has declined to give a comment. For now, the building moratorium will remain in effect on Jedburg Road. In Berkeley County, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. Well, Charleston County is continuing to invest in its Greenbelt program, working to protect natural spaces throughout the county. More than $7 million of county funding and expected grant money has been approved to pay for six upcoming Greenbelt projects. Of the six projects approved, two of them are on Edisto Island, two in North Charleston, one in Folly, on Folly Beach, and one is in Hollywood. The projects range in size and cost from a few thousand dollars for a few acres to a couple of million dollars for hundreds of acres. Celebrating birthdays today, actor Sam Waterston from Law & Order is 82. Actress Beverly D'Angelo from National Lampoon's Vacation is 71. Band leader Kevin Eubanks is 65. And actor Sean Murray of NCIS is 45. Thanks again for joining us for Morning Y'all. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all. Produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.